A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Let's get them out of their seats and into the ring. You got to be kidding me! This is the Finishing Move Podcast with Nick Cellini, Big John, and Adam Gillespie. We've got recaps, the latest storylines, and the biggest moments from the week. Now it's the Finishing Move from the Fans Podcast Park. And it's another award-winning edition of the Finishing Move, and the gang is all back together. Remember, you can like and subscribe and download at the uh, Podcast Park. It's all brought to you by Associated Credit Union. Cheap pop, shameless plug. Big John Radcliffe, Adam Gillespie, and yours truly, Nick Cellini, will talk about this day and this week in wrestling history in uh, just a few minutes. But I, I think it's appropriate, guys, we begin the show by congratulating Ronda Rousey. She is four months pregnant. She made the announcement, and there was a lot of rumors about her coming back. Well, she's not going to be back for a little while, but will she be back eventually? That is the question. Yeah, I, I don't think she will. I think this is where she officially hangs it up, and she goes and starts her family. I mean, WWE, I think it was just kind of something to check off on the bucket list. I think it was something cool to do. What else could she do? She's already going to be in, she's in the UFC Hall of Fame. It was kind of, you know, it's nice to do, but because particularly by the time she has her baby, everything happens. Hopefully the world's kind of back to normal. Now you're talking about being on the road, traveling that, what, 295 days out of the year possible schedule, and let Let's just be honest. She wasn't exactly the smoothest wrestler, so there's going to be a lot of rust on that thing. You know, Adam, that's an interesting point that John brings up because of the pandemic. Everybody was losing money. Are you going to see now more house shows? Are they going to get out there even more now in the world of wrestling once everything gets back to quote-unquote normal? Yeah, that would be very interesting to watch, see, unfold. I've been thinking about that, too. Uh, AEW kind of let the cat out of the bag via Jim Ross that they're going to probably get back on the road, or at least they have plans to. Uh, in July uh, and leave Jacksonville for the first time in over a year. So that would be very interesting to see. I mean, they're going to be looking for ways to get money. I mean, the ticket prices at WrestleMania were a little inflated because of less capacity, higher prices, try to even uh, bridge that gap a little bit. Uh, So will they hit the road and do more house shows? Uh, It will be interesting to see. I don't think that was a very strong market for them before in the pandemic, uh, but maybe there will be that craving for people to get out and do stuff. uh, But I don't know. I think it's the one fascinating aspect of this business when you talk about John the House shows. That's where you work on your character. That's where you work on the storylines. That's where you develop things. What's going to work, what's not going to work, that's your high-wire act, those House shows. Yeah, I mean, that's where possibly the most popular and the most ludicrous move was ever made, the people's elbow, where it was literally done just to get a laugh. It's so stupid. (laughs) But it became widely one of the most popular moves that just came about. And it it was something I actually even thought about. I was like, where do they, you know, I know they have the training facilities and things of that nature, but you kind of want that reaction. It's a stand-up comic. A a joke sounds great when you write it down, but then when you go to deliver the punchline, it's just kind of like, okay, this one didn't go so well. So you got to believe that they want to get back on the road, and particularly when you look at WWE, where now you can almost do double your bang because they have so many superstars. You can have a SmackDown house show. You can have a Raw house show. They don't have to come together. Yeah, you can even get the NXT people yeah. out there on the road. Get, them, get them reps, on the road. as we like to say. So you got to believe they're going to try and pack every city every which way that they can go. 
And we'll see what indeed does happen. It has to go uh, beyond making money because it's just not the same anymore. I don't know if people are going to come out and watch the house shows like they used to. Uh, We know that Raw has been uh, ongoing through this whole thing. And, ooh, Drew McIntyre did unmask Mason T-Bar. What's your favorite Mason T-Bar match, Adam? Uh, the one from Monday night, I think, ranked up there pretty highly. One. That yes. was a really yeah, good one. When their mask came off. Those are two of the ugliest guys. <laughs> they need their mask back on. Kane is the only other thing that, like, when they first took Kane's mask off yeah. and he had the black makeup on, at least that one you kind of, these guys look like they were just trying to do something too much. With yeah, them. I love when Glenn Jacobs, who was uh, Kane, the character who is now going into the Hall of Fame, is in the Hall of Fame. I love when he said when they first took his mask off, the, the biggest thing he had to explain to his wife was the haircut that they gave yeah. him, the, the, the really receding hairline. He said, yeah, I, I really had a hard time explaining this to my wife. We don't get to crack hairline jokes in this room. For no. those of you who follow us on social media, you've seen us and you kind of understand that. Comment. I, I kind of, you know what, it's come down, if I can make it about myself for a moment, it's come down to <laughs> me enjoying not having hair now. I, I, it's too complicated. I, I just like the fact that twice a week. Uh, shave I have it, walk away. Yeah, shave. It's, it's very easy. I don't have to worry about wearing a hat. You can, you can lay in bed. Your hair's not going to be mussed up so uh, not that i have a choice but uh, that's the way it is with everybody i guess uh, in this room but uh drew mcintyre braun Strowman both have nice heads of hair and they they teamed up and i mean it's it's the same situation each and every week what was the payoff with shane mcmahon and braun Strowman? what's going to be the payoff now with the next pay-per-view with these two i i don't even know and and i'll be quite frank <laughs> not sure i care What's the tease as well? Because where you got Mason T-Bar that are out there, and you have MVP also come out. Is are they reforming the Hurt business? And this is a new faction, a new collective of it. Is he just kind of going a la Jeff Hardy in uh, uh, AEW, and he's going to start you know a multi-layered management stable that he's going to have, or is he just kind of there just? Because, you know, he's supposed to be, yeah. quote, unquote, injured, and he needs to be there to collect the check, and Vince wants to make sure he gets his money's worth. Yeah, I, I, I don't have, get it. I have no idea. I don't know, Adam, what's going on with Riddle either. He beats Randy Orton with the uh, crucifix pin. He, he comes out before the match, and he is, uh, you know, riding his scooter around uh, Randy Bro. Orton. So, so, so tell me, what do you think, big picture? I still think that Riddle is going to turn heel eventually, but I, I just don't know what's going on now. It was a surprise, though, I'll say this. To see him beat Orton. You thought it was going to be another squash match, and it wasn't. Yeah, you definitely expected Orton to go over in that match. And, hey, by the way, Orton is now 0-2 since WrestleMania when he beat The Fiend. So what's really the plan there, I think, is a good question, too. But, yeah, Riddle is – and I was surprised that Riddle uh, lost uh, to Sheamus at WrestleMania as well, too. Uh, So – I thought they were about to give him a big push with this United States Championship, and they kind of relegated him to this goofball thing again with the uh, scooter riding around in the background and cutting up with New Day, talking about pancakes and uh, silver dollar pancakes. Silver dollar pancakes. That's right. And uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. We'll see. I, this is a stepping stone for a push when you beat someone like Randy Orton in on Raw. Uh, so we'll see what the next step is. I guess we're about to get a Randy Orton bro uh, man feud, uh, which is not really something I don't know if, if it will be that enjoyable, uh, but it looks like we're going to get it. I did enjoy, speaking of the New Day, Xavier Woods coming out playing the bass. <laughs> yeah. I, I did enjoy that, that to, uh, to throw Elias off of his game, even though Elias did go over in the match. That was very impressive to watch him do to use that portion of it. But here's the question that I have and we've seen it you talked about it with Riddle you talked there's so many other superstars that you know they start off with these big push uh one that I thought of was uh, uh she's part of the riot squad Liz Morgan 
where it was all these vignettes and she was with Lana and then she just disappears. And it's kind of like, what was the point? You wonder why so many superstars get into that disgruntled portion. We talked about Braun Strowman of, are you just going to keep using them to this portion? You gave him his title to kind of make him happy? I'm and- not stupid and you're going to get these hands. But this this goes back to the house shows and where, unfortunately now, Adam, these things are being developed on live television yes, instead of being developed during, yeah, very unfortunately, instead of during the house shows. Like, you know, Lena, Lana and, and Naomi, they beat Nia Jax and, and Shayna Baszler because Nia Jax is uh, distracted and now they're turning her, it seems, into a more comedic character as well. These are things that normally I think would be done during house shows. Unfortunately, now um, they're being done on live television. And and what's the future? I I'm not really sure they know at this point. I think they're going through this experimental phase. Yeah, I agree. It's something that we say all the time. And uh, Braun Strowman was a big person that we used to say this for in the past, leading up to WrestleMania. It just seems like they don't have storylines for these guy guys and gals. And uh, now they're trying things out on on Raw live, throwing stuff up against the wall, seeing what sticks and what doesn't. And a lot of times it doesn't stick. And when it doesn't stick, it, it can hurt your character, in my opinion. Or it can take, uh, you know, downgrade what how the viewers see you, the fans see you, and the respect that you get. And it really can hurt you. Uh, kind of like with Braun Strowman. And, and, and it, he should just be a monster heel. Uh, that's all he should be, in my opinion. But sometimes they do these kind of funny, gimmicky character things with him or turn him face and then turn him heel. And he's got the big show disease going back and forth continuously. And all it does uh, is confuse the fans. And exactly. to be quite frank, it bores the fans as well. Or do you turn him into, you know, a Brock Lesnar? You know, he's not on every week. He isn't somebody that's going to get stale because of that. I, I don't really know. But has he, I mean, you, you think of someone like Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar at least put in the work. He earned that position. I mean, people argue it. Adam, you and I, we've even talked about it off air where it's kind of like, okay, you miss it, but then you realize he's kind of earned that. Braun hasn't earned that yet. Braun hasn't gotten to that position yet. Yeah, they don't really know what to do with him, and uh, the amateur background for, obviously, Brock Lesnar helps as well. So we know we'll talk more about Charlotte Flair in just a couple of minutes because I thought it was outstanding. The new Charlotte Flair. I I thought it was outstanding the way that thing ended. I always enjoy when a female wrestler beats up a referee. It just makes me laugh every time. But so we know that clearly she's a heel now. We know that Alexa Bliss is a heel now. Because she is with Lily the doll, and Lily didn't like the fiend, and blah, 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 sitting on a swing set. And now she warns everybody else, all the divas, all the female wrestlers. So you got two heels over here. How does it play out? Again, more experimentation right there on the air. I mean, you go with the old age, old trial and error, I guess. Are, are we going to see Lily and the Fiend in a match? I mean, I look. do. I do like the fact that they had real pictures yeah, uh, of, of Alexa Kaufman as a kid, and they photoshopped Lily in there. That yeah, I did enjoy. I did get a laugh out of that. <laughs> look, or, finally or some see, creativity. Or do we see uh, Lily go up against like the Buzzard or the Dolls from the Funhouse? Yeah, the Buzzard's dead, didn't it? Or yeah. was it the Squirrel? Uh, yeah, the Squirrel. I think he kills weekly. But it, yeah, I mean, or the Pig. I mean, does he? I would love to see that match at WrestleMania next year. Lily versus uh, those puppets from the. Fun House would yeah, be a great one. bring out the gobbledygooker while you're at it <laughs> yes. as well. Sheamus uh, steals a page. Was it John Cena when he had the title? It was yeah. the Open Challenge. Open Kevin challenge. Owens yep. came out and beat him. He, he put Kevin Owens over. So Sheamus is trying to do the same thing now. And this Carrillo guy comes out and just gets the snot beat out of him. And that's another confusing story. I'm a fighting story. champion. That's another confusing story because <laughs> Sheamus was a heel. Heels normally don't do open challenges. They're normally yeah. not about this whole open challenge type thing. He scenario. says he's going to do it every week or when he feels like it. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. It's going to be one of those two things. <laughs> Good so uh, let's circle back to uh, Charlotte Flair. She uh, wrestles 
Asuka and Rhea Ripley comes in, and somehow, some way, they create a distraction. And Oscar beats Charlotte Flair, and then Charlotte Flair goes off on the referee, just starts beating up the referee, and it it continues the attack as we go off the air. Again, I, I don't know why it makes me laugh, but it makes me laugh. The fact that she took out the referee, and the other referees had a hard time contri- yeah. pulling That's enough, her. Charlotte! That's enough! <laughs> I, I would love that day in class in a referee school where you say, just yell at them, and they'll stop doing what they're ring doing. Ring the bell. Remember, they yeah, used to ring the bell. ring the bell yeah. in the background, and that will sing, yeah. signal to The four to horsemen would attack Dusty Rose. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Like, that's going to break up the melee. Or don't get in the ring. you got to yell from on the floor. Yeah. Stop! Stop! <laughs> so that's what happens as uh, Raw goes... Off the air. Charlotte Flair, it's it's setting up to be a three-way match, right? The triple yeah, threat match. Yeah, clash, yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess you just get a title now, and that's what ends up happening is you end up in a three-way match somewhere down. Look, we saw Roman Reigns do it with Edge and Daniel Bryant. At some point in time, I guess that's how you validate being a champion is you have to be in a three-way match. AEW takes place on Wednesday. It opens with uh, Ricky Starks with Hook. Taking on uh, Hangman Page, and Hangman Page wins, and then Taz cuts a promo. Taz gained 10 more pounds this week. It's <laughs> amazing. last week and this yes, week. Yes, he gets bigger every week. We said it last week, Adam. You weren't here. He looks like an M&M with a hat. <laughs> He's got the round. He's going perfectly. <laughs> Remember when he used to come out, he looked like this guy who was just jacked, and he didn't look like he could put his arms at his oh, side. You're going back now to he ECW days for that look. Now he doesn't look like he can put his arms at his side, but that's because his side kind of is a little bit rounder then. But I mean, so that happens there. Then you've got uh, Jim Ross talking to uh, the Pinnacle and MJF, his reaction, putting on the silk scarf that he got from Tully Blanchard, saying that he's a mark, but he's on a mark for Jericho. I, I get it. I understand the direction this is going in, but everybody's sitting there. It was uh, it was a little bit awkward. This whole exchange, and I know how they're trying to set it up, but we'll start with the Pinnacle. The whole exchange was just very awkward. From that group, they just need to, no one else needs to talk. No one else needs to be involved. Let MJF, Especially Wardlow. Shh. Did you see him try to open? Pretty. He couldn't even open the scarf. Sit there and be pretty. Just be pretty. Trying to us. hang the scarf around MJF. MJF was like, what an ad lib. Let me just take that. I'll do it. <laughs> just be pretty. Let MJF be the only one that talks. All the rest, you guys just sit there and be pretty. You guys do a great job looking pretty, he guys. He couldn't take the scarf out of the bag. <sighs> And when you're trying to do stuff like this, and once again, this is the scenario of, I think because MJF is one of those guys that he's not rehearsing. This is naturally who he is. Yeah, he's, he's very good at what he does. He's very And talented. I think everyone else is trying to follow suit of, well, we can do this. It, I can't do what you do because you, you're amazing at what you do. And it's just the scenario, but I'm going to try it. It doesn't go, well. okay, I should try something else. I should write this out. Write it on your arm. You can cheat at this point in time and do like the Rock ones did and at least know what city you're in. Half the time, I think when they go back on the road and watching just them do promos like this, they're not going to know where the hell they are. Yeah. Go it's ahead. unfortunate. It's like if it, Hussein Bolt went and ran the 40, and then I tried to run the 40 after him. There's no way. You're only making it 20 yards. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little, that's true. I'm not going to complete it, but I'm going to look de- horribly bad compared to, to Bolt. And that's what everybody in that room is kind of, when you have MJF cut he's a just, promo. He's so much better yeah, than everybody. exactly. And then when they try to cut promos, and I think FTR can do good promos if uh, on their own, maybe not compared to him, but especially when Warlord and Sean Spears, whatever he's doing in that room for some reason, um, he, he one of these tra- things is not like the other. In this exactly, scenario. I agree. That's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, Warlord said, "Hey, Chris Jericho, you started to stutter when you said shh, shh." 
Don't talk. It's just unfortunate for those other guys that uh, he is the. It's like uh, I mean, even though even when you look at the Four Horsemen, Nate could cut a promo, Arn could cut a promo, so could uh, Tolly, in my opinion. So they had all that go for him. Maybe in this case. MGF just needs to be the spokesman, or totally when he's around. Right. Um, but yeah, let MGF do the majority of the talking there. Because he does it very well, and uh, to correct myself to a certain extent, he said, uh, Chris Jericho, you're right, I'm a mark, but I'm a mark for your spot. Some inside lingo there that I think the wrestling fans enjoyed. As awkward as that was, I don't know why, because I love Chris Jericho. I don't know how, because again, I love Chris Jericho. But that was one of the worst promos I've ever seen him cut. Is he not used to being a face was oh, it? I, he knows he, how to be a. Yeah, I mean, how to be. something was off for him very uh, off last night. I, I heard him on the uh, the Broken Skull sessions yes, with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he said, you know, he trained with the Groundlings, that comedy troupe, and he said the main thing he learned there was no matter what you're doing, you have to be completely committed, you have to sell it completely, be all in, and it didn't seem like he was all in with what he was doing last night. I think that was the biggest problem, and I think he got into his own head. It, it seemed like the scenario of. One of the things that it's just when you can let it be natural to you. I think Ric Flair actually learned how to let it be natural for him. I think Arn Anderson learned how to. I think Arn Anderson in his prime, he was a badass, and he just knew how to. Let me just. I can't do Ric Flair. I know how to be Arn, and I think that's what Jericho got into a point of. I want to try something different here. There's no house shows like we've been talking about. Let me just try this, see how it goes, and I think he'll go back and look at the tape. All right, this this isn't working. That's it's fascinating to hear Chris Jericho explain how he's developed characters over the years. He he's great at what he does. And Adam, you're right. He's great at a face. He's great at a heel role. It doesn't matter. But but last night was just it was awkward at he, best. Yeah, and he may have suffered a little bit of that of the hangover from MJF's uh, MJF's great promo as well, uh, being kind of follow that. And he was trying to uh, rebuttal some of the points that MJF made even in that promo a little bit earlier in the show and. Uh, it just didn't work out well. He was off his game last night, but normally he's rocking and rolling. They just didn't have it last night. Uh, Jake sure. Hager didn't help. Oh, that he's was – What oh, was boy. that? He started, you, you guys are going to be drinking meat through a straw. You oh, suck. Shh, I'll use that term again. Shh, oh. don't speak. The less you talk, the better. Sit there and look pretty. Sit there. But this could be one of the things as we, you know, we laud over AEW. But if you go back and you listen to uh, Paul Heyman, where he talks about the ECW days and he talks about like heels. One of the things he talked about was even like Stone Cold when he first got in ECW. He's like, just go sit over there. And he'd make him sit there all day and just stew and stew. And he'd just make him watch people do promo after promo. Man, I got to get I got stuff to do. What are you doing? Just make him sit there. So by the time he got to his promo, he was pissed, really pissed because he's been sitting there all day. And that might be the one downfall is if there's no one there like a Paul Heyman, like someone to just kind of coach. I won't say a Wardlow, but to coach him up and just say, "Okay, go with this for me. Think like this and put him in that position. This might be what we end up. You have to have the writers. It is fascinating to hear these guys now break kayfabe, if you will, and talk about how the writers would just tweak things. Vince would do it as well. McMahon, just tweak things a little bit at him, just enough to make that ultimate difference. And they maybe they don't have that right now at AEW. I don't know. Well, well, that's one of the things AEW brags about themselves is that the wrestlers have the majority of the creative control. Uh, And so you either go out there and you flop or you or succeed. Uh, Hager was a flop. Uh, uh, you know, um, I mean, to drop you suck. Yeah, it, that's all you got. That was bad. And and Jericho did not hit it out of the park on that one. Definitely not. Start singing that song uh, at the end. What on earth was he doing? Oh, that was so bad. 
Oh, I didn't. I don't. I didn't know which way he was going with that, and it, it was just not a good night for him. But he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yes, we've he is. Oh, no question. This. No question. So that's why I was so surprised to see it. Yeah, I mean, that's why to me it was so shocking because he's been great. But you're right. Everybody is going to make a mistake. To me, the biggest shock of the night was Billy Gunn at 57, looking the way that he does. The guy hasn't aged. How do you look like that at 57? Take your vitamins. Say your prayer. Oh, wait, I'm oh, sorry. That's wait, someone that's else. Somebody else. That's someone else. Someone else. And he's no. not allowed in AEW. <laughs> he's not. You're right. Look, he's been one of the trainers at AEW, and it is one of those things. And you, you I don't think, know what's on top of his head. We're not going to go with that's, that. That's questionable. But it has to be heartbreaking. I mean, as you know, you get older, you watch your friends get older here, where his tag team partner, Road Dog, was just in the hospital. Not this Road Dog, the other Road Dog. Right. Was just in the hospital. Jesse and, James. And here Billy Gunn is. Out in the ring, still doing this. It's just, it has to be one of those moments where you're like, man, what went terribly wrong? And you watch Billy Gunn come out, and it's just kind of like, yeah, Mr. Ass is still there. Who is the uh, Zach Galifianakis, Zach Galifianakis looking character? He took got, that chair shot. He, he sure did. Camarado, is that his name? Jim Ross says he's got a long coat on and a sweater underneath it as well. <laughs> The line that works every time, and then uh, the elite are in the trailer, and here comes uh, Moxley and Kingston, and they they hit the trailer, and no one's in the trailer. And I did not like the payoff there. Yeah, I, it, was, you it was a horrible had them in horrible the trailer because uh, you were teasing that they were in the trailer right. that was getting hit by the truck, but then they weren't in the trailer any longer. I Don Callis, not. I think it's time to shave your head. By the way, I just <laughs> he's a part of that list. <laughs> may, may throw my two cents in there. It, it's time. It's time to give up the fight. It was great. You fought for as long as you could. It's over. There's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's over. It's one of the hardest decisions uh, a it guy is. has to make. But when you make that decision, life, and, and I agree. You, you look at it, initially, look, I'm, I'm going to give you some advice, white guys especially out there, who are shaving their heads for the first time. It's awkward. It doesn't look good in the beginning because there, there's a huge tan line there. Give it a month. Give it two months. Once your skin on your scalp acclimates, it's a life changer. No, I no. Agree. That happens to black guys, too. Yeah. When you start going back and that's that widow's peak back there. Yeah. And you're a little bit lighter back there because it's been covered by hair all your life. Yeah. And you got to be a friend to someone. For me, going bald, it was friends. As I'm a taller guy and I'd sit down, hey, man, you do realize the front of your head's a little bit thinner. Your forehead's getting a little bit bigger. Okay, it's time to go. Yeah. Lou Gallo, she's, what, seven feet tall? Don. Let's talk about this. Yeah, I mean, so, again, it's there's always that line, and maybe seeing himself on TV last night was that line. For me, it was it was getting thin in the back, and then you get the island. Once I started getting that, that island yeah. on the front, I go, that's it. It is all over. And it should be over for Don Callis, a very experienced he, man in this business, very successful man in this business. He's going to hang on to every bit of it. He's going to be while he has this run now, while he still has that with uh, – Kenny Omega. Yeah. Because now what has he done? He's revitalized his career. Yep. He's given himself a chance to feel like he's a big shot again. He's with a champion. Because he wasn't, I mean, let's be honest. I like Impact Wrestling, but I'll watch it. I had to change cable providers to find the damn thing. Right. Because I went for the longest. I don't know where to find this at. And now he has a champion. He's on TV every week. He ain't changing. He's rolling with what he has. There's just something still to me with AEW. I, I know the direction they're headed in, and it's it's young. Yeah. The age of the company, it, it still has. I mean, we're talking three years. Right. It still has a long way to go. And, and, and for that reason, it's still just a little bit off. There's something just, I can't really put my finger on it. There's something just a little bit off with it. I, I think, to me, knowing what I know, and, and Road Dog brought it up earlier, I, I don't think the wrestlers need to have all that much. They could have creative, but I think you need somebody there to kind of guide them. You can't let them flop 
all the time. You need somebody to work with them. They can't have all the say. I, and I think that's even to the point like we just talked about where it's so much going into you guys get all the say, you guys get all of it. I mean, look at it. Uh, Jade Cargill, they literally cut a promo of her being recruited by Vicky Guerrero, by Matt Hardy. So you're going to end up with a multitude of stables. And I'm a stables guy. I mean, right. we, we the NWO, DX. The Four Horsemen, we saw some of the greatest stables in wrestling history come about. But now you're kind of reaching that point of, okay, you got Taz, you got the Elite, you got this group, you got that group. You got a few too many stables going on here. The only one that seems to be on the fence on where he is is like Hangman Page. Let them be independent. Let them just fight it out. Go and develop stories. Maybe they don't need promos. Just You, you kind of filter through of, okay, we, we talked about it. Wardlow probably needs MJF. MJF doesn't need Wardlow. No. I mean, that, that kid is on a rocket ship to start him. Oh, yeah. He's going to wrestle in business. Look, I'll make a bold prediction here. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got it all. He's, go, he's, they're go, he's Ric Flair 2.0 He's because he's going to be that lifelong heel. At some point, they'll put him as a face. If he keeps his head on straight and respects the business, yes. and I think being around a guy like Jericho will, I think will, help, will help him do that. I think, Dusty, I think Dusty Dustin Rhodes won't allow him to do it. I think guys like Tully Blanchard, guys like that, they'll keep his head on straight to respect the business. And I think with AEW, it'll be one of those scenarios as they grow. It's IE WWE with Shawn Michaels. We're going to pay you to stay. Yeah, I mean, again, hopefully he keeps his head on straight and stays out of trouble. But we digress. We got there's it. a lot of trouble in the wrestling business. Speaking of trouble, we've lost the road dog, Adam Gillespie. We're a podcast of honesty. He had to go work on a remote, so now it's just me and you, John. It's fine. And then there were two. <laughs> Adam put in his time, and he had to go. He's a man that wears many hats. He does. Hardworking guy. Follow the podcast park on social media for live updates as new episodes hit and behind the scenes looks at all our shows. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the podcast park. So let's talk about uh, what happened this week in wrestling history. 37 years ago, Greensboro, North Carolina, the scene, Ricky Steamboat beats Dick Slater to win the NWA United States championship. Ricky Steamboat, one of the very, 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 very few to never turn heel was always a face his entire career. And I know he's a Hall of Famer, but I've always felt like he was one of those underappreciated wrestlers. I mean, you look you at You ask some, anybody that worked with him, they, they'll they tell loved you. Him. Yeah. They Flair, loved him. Savage loved him. Everybody. And you listen to the wrestlers that you just rattled off that he's worked with, the people that he's done work with. He's put on some great matches, and he's just one of those guys that, growing up, I loved him because, you know, and particularly when he reinvented himself but he didn't he came out as the dragon he would come out in the dragon costume spit fire from the top turn buckle as a kid you're kind of like you know he's not he's making his own pyro and i just always felt like he was one of those wrestlers that yes he's a hall of famer but he just never got the appreciation that he deserved yeah if you have time uh go to youtube and watch lex luger turning heel on rick steamboat and just just watch we talk about the psychology of this business watch how rick steamboat sells that the entire situation start to finish how he garners sympathy how he reacts to the shots how he does the entire thing it's fascinating that that is a pro's pro right there and you talk about that and that's one of the things in the psychology of wrestling is when you sell it i mean you if you go to go to youtube and you look at when Shawn michaels didn't want to put over hulk hogan i guess this would have been Circa 2003. In that general area, yeah. And he was overselling just to kind of be disrespectful to Hulk Hulk Hogan. But then you look at Ricky Steamboat and the way he sold every move, every punch, 
even it's great to find those that footage when they're leaving the ring. And sometimes you genuinely say, are they really hurt? No, they're just continuing that yep. sell till they get back in the gorilla position just to the respect for the business. And that was one of the things Ricky Steamboat did so well. 33 years ago, the uh, WWF at the time tapes the 16th episode of Saturday night's main event from the Springfield Civic Center in Springfield, Massachusetts. That's the way you have to say it. What a card this was. You want to talk about characters. Hacksaw Jim Duggan defeats Hercules, who would have never passed a drug test by disqualification. Didn't need to take one. You failed just looking at him. Fail! You chose the name Hercules. You walked in here. You have no neck. And you have a big chain. It goes head, trapezius muscles. I think the thing I enjoyed the most about, if if, if memory serves me correct, the Hercules character, his upper body was tanned and his legs were white. (laughs) That's the thing that stands out. More than anything else, when I think about that Hercules character, <laughs> it was one the of those, disparity. It was one of those characters that to see him come, and you know why he got hired. Vince loved the look. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to be a superstar, and to some degree it still exists, you want to be a superstar in that in that company. If you have that look, Vince was going to put you in, and no one ever told him you might want to do leg day. <laughs> you might just just do the squat rack for a couple or days, or lay by the beach or the something, and let your legs get tanned. Macho Man Randy Savage. Beats the one-man gang to retain the WWF championship. Demolition beat the British Bulldogs by disqualification. They retain the WWF Tag Team Championship. Ted DiBiase defeats Don Morocco. I've heard great stories about Ted DiBiase. They say he's the ultimate worker. And I guess not everything is for everybody. I just never got the gimmick. I, I never got the, the Million Dollar Man or Ted DiBiase. It oh, just never mean, worked for me. Or when he had the manservant that came out in the bow tie. and Yeah, that didn't help. <laughs> that didn't help. I mean, we talk about some of the bad. That can, the things that could never happen today. Yeah. Nor the, should they. The bad beats in wrestling. Here he comes out with a black guy, a, a sequin vest, bow tie. That is his manservant. And then, Why don't you just come out with one of those lanterns? <laughs> While you're at it. I mean, seriously? I mean, and someone thought this, and I, I understand it. Virgil, you know, I, I'm assuming, I think he's in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he's not. You, every, they had to make a dollar back then. They wanted to work. They worked that hard to get to that point. They yeah. wanted to feed their families. And you respect that they wanted to feed their family. But it was just kind of the scenario of, all right, this, can, can we redo this? Maybe he's, he's the million-dollar man. Maybe this is his chauffeur. Maybe this no, this is his manservant. All right, fair enough. We'll go with that. 23 years ago, uh, during a live episode of Thunder from Columbia, South Carolina, Buff Bagwell severely injured, taking a second-row bulldog against uh, the Steiners. And, boy, you want to talk about something horrifying. Whenever somebody is on the mat and their legs are just crossed over because they can't move, move that was the case with Buff Bagwell. Now, later they would turn that into a kayfabe storyline, but this was horrifying. And and Scott and Rick Steiner, not the gentlest of workers, especially Scott Steiner, the way he kind of moved him around. Uh, Buff Bagwell, he'll be the first to tell you, he thought it was all over at that point. He's trying to tell him, I am not okay. This is not a part of the act. But the Steiners kept going, especially Scott. And the way those guys, the moves that they performed. I mean, you talk Scott Steiner, he did the Hurricane Rana. Here you're talking a guy, 6'2", 270, 250 solid muscle, basically leaping up. And I know that's before he got too big. <laughs> then he couldn't close his fingers. He couldn't really do much of anything at that but point. But they, they were just very stiff workers at that point in time. And look, I, I'll 
if I got to try and buff Bagwell, if you ever happen to listen to this, this is where I learned about the C4 and C5 vertebrae because when he would talk about it, you kind of, as a kid, you're kind of like, okay, I want to know what all is he talking about because he literally detailed how he had to have his C4, C5, and C7 or C6 vertebrae fused together so he could stand up, so he could move. And it was just one of those things that, that it was at that point. Shame on the referee, first of all, for not just stopping the match and just saying, hey, pen him. Just pin him real quick. Let's stop this. No, they kept going. Speaking of Scott Steiner, 23 years ago uh, this week, he was arrested. And I remember when this happened because it made the rounds in the gym where he trained at, where I was at the time, Lex Luger's main event fitness. Scott Steiner arrested for threatening an Atlanta Department of Transportation worker, then hitting him twice with his Ford pickup truck. He used to drive this huge white double-barreled Ford pickup truck. You couldn't miss it. So they were basically on 575. And, you know, when you do construction, the, the yeah. lanes are closed off. And he wasn't really happy with that out there in Cherokee County. And, uh, well, he, he hit the worker and took him for a little ride. Now, now, fortunately, the worker wasn't seriously injured. But this is a felony. He, he could have gone away for 30 years. But he was a first-time offender. <laughs> I think it was the first time he got caught. Cherokee. I'll allege. So there's an alleged story that I've heard with Scott Steiner where basically he used to love uh, – he loves his four-wheelers. There was a hunting trail down from his house, but he was on a one-way He was street. very frugal, probably still is as well. And he didn't want to have to basically put his four-wheeler on the back of his truck, drive it there. He'd just hop on his four-wheeler, drive it down. Cherokee County always stopped him, and they said he allegedly – allegedly – always just got there and just outran him until he got to the woods. That's not something. Then they would just kind of, we can't chase him, leave him alone. So when you hear a story like this, you're just kind of like, yeah, that really doesn't surprise me. This was the least surprising thing I ever heard. So instead of 30 years, 10 days in prison or, you know, jail in this case, seven years probation, $25,000 in fines, restitution and legal costs, and 200 hours of community service. Can you imagine Scott Steiner picking up trash? On the side of 575, and you're his supervisor? I don't feel like picking up the trash. Uh, Okay. Do you want better? What if his community service was he had to go read to little children? (laughs) You go pick up your son. All right. Is that big papa pump? (laughs) Sitting there reading cat in a hat. Well, we can't use cat in a hat. They've been canceled, too. (laughs) Never mind. Certain things have been canceled there as well. I don't know what's right anymore. I don't know what we can say (laughs) and what we can't say. I don't want to offend anyone, uh, so we'll just move on. I have no earthly idea. 18 years ago, the uh, WWF, again, as it was known at the time, presented backlash from Kemper Arena, and this was the first time that they returned to Kemper Arena since the terrible and tragic and senseless death of Owen Hart in 1999, and that's Boy, you do, you, much like Rick Steamboat, he's another one of those guys, Owen Hart. And this was while he was still alive, I had heard this. This is not talking about a guy after he passes away. Everybody loved the guy, yep. except for Steve Austin with what happened with the pile driver in the ring because he didn't do that right. But you're talking about one of the great rivers in the business and one of those guys that they said Owen Hart was never, ever, ever, ever in a bad mood. And it's interesting because the character that he portrayed was so straight-laced. I mean, that was what the heart, the dungeon was. Well, you look at a lot of the stuff. As a kid, you don't realize it, but you look at a lot of the stuff that he did. It was hilarious. Yeah. You know, the guys in the back yes. had to have been losing at some of the stuff that he was doing. And, and Carrying that slam heel ward around with them. And he'd run out, and he, him and Yokozuna as tag team yeah. champions. Just the work that he put together. And uh, I, I haven't seen it. I saw it's on coming up on On Demand of the, uh, what is it, the dark side of the ring, where they talk about yeah. when, you know, and every person says it. Jr. Everyone says how unnecessary it was to have him pull that gimmick of wiring him up, luring from. It was pointless. They every single there hasn't been one person who's come out and said that you know it should have been done. And 
the match between just him and Bret Hart, just to watch the work that they put in and how great that was. I think that's like we talk about it, bands like brothers that sing and perform together. It's just a different sound. When you see brothers wrestle like this, like the Steiner brothers, yeah. uh, even though when they wrestled each other, it was awkward. When these two wrestled each other, it was, it was so smooth. Yeah, it was so fluid. It was perfection. It was, I mean, it, it's one of those things you have a brother, I have a brother. It's no different. You play ball with your brother. You know the movements of whether it be football or anything. You got the same thing out of it. And it is one of those things. I know he's done interviews, and I need to go back and watch him because Jim Ross was on the call for that match. He had to call it live. He, he had to announce that Owen Hart passed away yeah. live during that pay-per-view. And continue on. That's the hard, I the mean, show went on, folks. You, to sit those there who don't and, know. And, you know, these are guys that are family, basically, the way they travel up and down the road and to have to basically say a guy who was like a brother to him, a nephew to him, he had to say he had passed on. Yeah, so that was the first time they came back. A lot of great matches on this card. It ends with Hulk Hogan defeating Triple H to win the undisputed WWF Championship, Hogan's first WWF Championship since 1993. And again, I, I never understood it, especially as he got older. I watched because there's something wrong with me. I watched a, a TNA match when Hogan came in as a heel and he wrestled Sting and then he turned face at the end. He saved Sting at the end. It truly was one of the worst matches I have ever seen in my entire life. It and was horrible. At some point, you got to look at yourself in the mirror because I know exactly the match and the time you're talking about. That group, when you had uh, Vince Russo, you had Hogan show up, that's what killed TNA Wrestling. That's what killed Impact Those guys were putting together, I mean, they were AEW before it was AEW. When you're talking about uh, AJ Styles, when you're talking about just these young up-and-coming wrestlers that have been on the indie circuit, that had done Ring of Honor, and then here comes Hulk Hogan, the ego kicks in. And this was another ego one. And kudos to Triple H. Hey, I'll put you over. A guy who respects the business, a guy who who knows the business and honors it very well, but it's just that scenario of, was this necessary? Why do we need to put a belt on him at this point in his career? He cemented that he's going to be the legend, and he needs another belt put on him? It made no sense. You brought up AJ Styles 16 years ago this week. The NWA TNA weekly pay-per-view AJ Styles defeats uh, Jeff Jarrett to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. AJ Styles, people don't realize how old he is. Yep. I, you know, I, I use that term loosely because he's, he's younger than us. But, I mean, as a guy, he's got a lot of miles on his body and still doing a, an outstanding job in the WWE now. Jeff Jarrett was always an enigma to me. I, I just thought he had the ability, but, but some of his character choices, I mean, as in his characters in the ring, what was going on with some of those outfits? What are you going for there? I will say when he hit Beetlejuice with the guitar, Maybe the highlight of his I career. I enjoyed that one. I'm I mean, it, it really was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And he got very honest and very real. I, I think he just tried to find a new way to reinvent himself because, he remember, he married Kurt Angle's ex-wife, and they bought that whole storyline into Impact Wrestling, and it, it just became— and Deborah very, married everybody oh and was with everybody, <laughs> including Jeff and Steve Austin mm -hmm. and Steve McMichael. Am I leaving anybody out? Probably. No, I think you. Yeah, you got a few more people that you could go through there. But and then you talk about AJ Styles. I mean, this guy he came up in the business the hard way. You know, he went over to Japan. He did the Indies, and he did this while he had kids. I mean, this wasn't a guy you know for a long stretch that was just single. He he came up in the business, and kudos to him. He he was smart enough to get the copyright, get get the ownership of his name, AJ Styles. And carry it everywhere that he's gone. And, you know, future Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. And you just see that what he had to do to get to where he had to be. But him and Jeff Jarrett, I, I was a fan of Jeff Jarrett in the WWF days when he was, you know, the country singer. Mm -hmm. When he got to uh, 
WCW, and he just kind of gave it up and just went a random guy carrying a guitar. Like, okay, you're literally ripping off the honky-tonk man at this point Yeah, time. there was no difference. Although the guitar was more gimmicked. It was a balsa wood guitar oh, as yeah. opposed to what the uh, honky-tonk man used. It, it just He ripped off too much of it, and it just kind of, all right, it lost its luster. We can move on from that. Eight years ago this week, E! announces via press release they have greenlit the WWE reality series Total Divas. And, John, the rest, as they say, is history, uh, Total Bellas, The Miz and Misses. So many other shows spawned from Total Divas. And you want to talk about something that really, if there were any secrets left in the wrestling business, gone. they were gone when all of this happened because you had uh, the Divas, as they were known at the time, who were enemies just hanging out together. Even when Lana, C.J. Perry, first came on the show, she didn't have a Russian accent. So you're like, okay, we, we know she's not Russian. We get it. But but this is really confirming that. You can't go bit. back and forth now. No, it's well, done. Any, any mystery that was there has been destroyed. You totally pulled back the curtain. But whether this was Vince McMahon's idea or whoever came up with it, what they did was now opened it up. Because, look, let's be honest. Every promo that they did was women in bathing suits. The guys were going to watch. But it got the women interested because this was a part of that whole reality TV craze. My wife was, oh, she didn't know, she doesn't know the WWE stories, but now she knows the characters. Now they're interested. Correct. Now you start seeing the women, ladies walking around carrying the WWE Women's Championships and things of that nature. And what did he open up? The merchandise, the whole new world that he wasn't able to get because he catered to the man. Well, now you've opened it up to the women, and now you created a whole new revenue stream, and that is the genius that is Vince McMahon that created the billion-dollar global brand. You uh, get a chance to see the uh, Broken Skull one with uh, Steve Austin and Vince I'm McMahon? I'm almost done. I'm, I, I have, I've watched that one. I thought you were going to say Jericho. Yeah. The Jericho one's one. amazing. I mean, you got to go back and watch the, portions The fact of that it he's with AEW and— And had to get the approval. Right. The, the podcast, Steve Austin's podcast, is on the WWE Network, and he was still allowed to do it. He, Austin said, I went to Vince and said, can we have him on? And Vince said, sure. And that, love, That's what makes it even more fascinating. And I love Jericho opens it up. They're a sniper. I'm about to be taken yeah. out because he, he's not holding back. He's being 100% of who he is. And I, that's what I love about his podcast is that he is going to go into character and then he'll go back out of character so fluidly right. that it's fun. But the one you're talking about with Vince McMahon, yes, I have seen that one uh, because what I love about Vince McMahon. Austin comes at him pretty hard with some questions. And that's what you respect about it. it it's, you go back watching that as a kid, you think these two genuinely hate each other. And now you see this, and you're just kind of like, you know, he didn't hold back. And Vince was honest. Vince was brutally honest to even break down individual characters, individuals, and just say, he has it. He doesn't have it. She has it. This is what she's missing. And that's what you want from your boss of, how do I get better at my job? He out and out saying it yeah, right He talked there. about Cesaro and saying that he has all the ability, but but something's missing. He can't figure it out. He doesn't have all the answers. He also talked about CM Punk saying, I, I think he's going to regret some of the things that he said. And he said, look, it's happened before. Obviously, he said, you and I talking about Steve Austin, you know, outside of the squared circle, they had some some issues with how Austin was approaching people. He fined him, what, $250,000? Yep. Wanted to fine him $650,000. He said, I got to fine you. I got to slap you on the wrist when you come back. But he said, various guys, we've had disagreements. They've all come back. I don't know what CM Punk's deal is. I, I think that does he start to believe for real that he's this guy? Because he went into MMA, and I thought that was a huge mistake, and, and obviously it was. He got drilled. I think he could have continued on with that moment where it was him and Cena. They both had made their own champion championships. 
He could have gone away with the title and just said, you know what? Let me keep the title. Let's go with a story here. Let's ride with this for a little while. Because you got to believe he still make. And I understand the little nuances where you feel disrespected. You're called and told you're fired on your wedding day. Okay, that's heartbreaking. No what she knows. said was a mistake. Vince McMahon, he apologized for that during the Stone Cold podcast. He said that it was just a, a really bad, bad timing of yeah. it. And you're just saying. But I think when you're talking about you're upset because you didn't get an ice cream sandwich. You're upset because you didn't get your WrestleMania. Now, then you become a pain in the ass. Exactly. You're you're walking a fine line there. We all feel disrespected from time to time, but you can't every day come in with that attitude. Because people are going to stop listening to you then. Even if you have a legitimate beef, they're going to stop listening. And this is a guy that, look at where he came from. Dude, you were the top guy in this business at that point in time. I mean, you wanted to be a John Cena. Okay, that's great. Bret Hart wanted to be a Shawn Michaels, but Bret Hart was a Bret Hart. You become a CM Punk, and you just realize, you know what? That I'm going to reinvent. I'm going to recreate myself because you've taken on The Rock. You've taken on Cena. You've taken on some of the top and Those guys have put you guys. over. Yeah, They've worked with you. Every single one of them. You come in. You reinvent yourself. Hey, you know, you've taken on The Undertaker. You've gone through all of these different matches. You can keep going with that, and you could have rode this out for another however many years because what's the long-term portion of it? We've seen... Hogan come back and another set of shirts come out. You get those resi- those uh, uh, residual checks that and start people to still love him. I mean, yeah. they go crazy for this guy. And what is he doing? I mean, he's doing a podcast. He's done his TV show. You want to pay respect to the indies because even the long term effects of it. You could have looked out for Colt, Colt Cabana. You could have looked out for these guys to get them into the big thing, to get them to that big money. And you kind of went a little bit of selfish with it. And it's sad because he's a very smart guy. It's just a d- dumb decision. Different type of cat. We'll see if he ever comes back. We will be back next week as we wrap up another edition of The Finishing Move. Like, subscribe, and please download or we will come to your house and recreate the Montreal screw job. Thanks for listening. Wrestling's fake. Wrestling's not fake! A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey, Atlanta, Hudson Mason here. Is a new roof still on your to-do list, but you've been delayed due to rising home service costs? Well, here's a fantastic solution from Accent Roofing Service. Zero down, zero payments, and zero interest for a full year. That's right. You can get your new roof now and start paying next year. Act quickly because Accent's incredible offer of zero, zero, zero with a 12-month deferred payment option for a lifetime roof system isn't going to last long. Contact the craftsman at Accent Roofing Service today, accentroofingservice.com. 